Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you're here. This is gonna be a little bit of a unique podcast as I am doing a solo talk about the great reimagination. For those of you who follow me on my blogs, the blog that I released uh, the last Sunday in January of 2022, I talked about the great reimagination. And where that came from was a phrase that came out of this whole pandemic. And three words have been used to describe the work landscape of America during this pandemic. And those three words are the great resignation. So the title of my blog was the great reimagination, but the three words that have really defined the work landscape of America during this pandemic are the great resignation. And that phrase was coined by a guy named Anthony Klotz, and he is a professor at Texas A&M. And he was being interviewed by Bloomberg in May of 2021. And he basically called the wave of people who have left their jobs during the pandemic, the great resignation. And what he was describing was the number of people that have left their jobs, their workplaces due to the Corona pandemic and how that caused people to rethink where how and why they work. So people during the pandemic started rethinking where they work, how they work, why they work. And as of November of 2021, 4.5 million Americans had resigned from their jobs. So he was calling this the great resignation, right? The great resignation. Now, this is an interesting deal. I mean, for some people, that was a crisis. Uh, for other people, it was an opportunity, right? So it's, it's really interesting how this great national pandemic, for some people, it's thrown them into a whole new world of opportunity. But for some people, it's thrown them into a whole world of crisis. And I, I want to focus a little bit on the crisis part of it, but how we can ultimately shift crises into new growth and new opportunities or the great reimagination as I'm entitling this talk, all right? So, you know, even without the pandemic, adults frequently go through life crises, not usually everybody all at the same time. So if you think about it, the work landscape of America has drastically changed during this pandemic. And normally that doesn't happen in America where four and a half million people 
go through some kind of work transition or crisis all within the same year and a half of each other. That that typically doesn't happen in America. Now, if you look at the great wars like World War One, World War Two, or even Vietnam, those wars, particularly the two great wars, shifted the work landscape in America drastically for everybody at the same time. So it's usually a war that changes the work landscape in America all at the same time. But this season in American history, it was a pandemic that did that. And so this pandemic hits. And so you have people going through crisis due to the pandemic, but then you also have adults who at any given time in America are going through all kinds of crises. And if you're listening from other countries around the world, it would be true in every country around the world. There are adults who go through crises of all kinds. And because adults go through life crises, there's been studies done on adult development around how transitions in life or crises in, in life and how it relates to adult development. There's been a lot of li literature written on this. So I remember in my 40s, I thought I was kind of going through a type of a midlife crisis. And so I remember finding a book by Daniel Levinson called The Seasons of a Man's Life. And he literally talked about sort of the kinds of adult development stages that many people go through in adult life. That led me to a book by Gail Sheehy called New Passages. And it was a similar kind of book, basically books on adult development and the kind of experiences, opportunities, growth things that go through, uh, that people go through in adult development. Another book I read recently that focused on crises in adult life was called The Second Mountain by David Brooks. And so these are all books that books that deal with this topic, adult development and adult crises. So there's even phrases that we're familiar with, like quarter life crisis, midlife crisis, three quarter life crisis. This kind of language is in the American vernacular, right? Because of all this work that has gone on around this. So at any given time, Adults might be going through a work crisis, a health crisis, a marriage crisis, a family crisis, a financial crisis, a faith crisis, a community crisis. People are going through these kind of crises as adult at any given time, all at the same time. And I just got to thinking about this pandemic, the great resignation. And then they've even been using language around the great resignation and calling it, OK, well, maybe this is going to be a new opportunity for all new kinds of work environments and work at home environments and work flexibility, it, it's, it, it's probably going to change the landscape for a long time to come, right? So they're calling this great resignation. Maybe this great resignation will be the great reset. Or maybe this great resignation will be not only the great reset, but the great reimagination of the workplace. So I just thought about that a little bit. And I thought about how crises comes into our life and then how how we respond to that crises really determines on whether it turns into something where we move into further and further decline or how we respond to that crisis can help us move into new opportunities, even the most difficult crises in life. Um, can turn into new opportunities if we respond in the right way. And so this is what I was thinking. I was thinking like, gosh, maybe this great resignation 
can almost serve like a metaphor for any kind of adult crisis that we might go through and how this great resignation or some great crisis that we go through, this great time of darkness that we can go through can ultimately be transformed into the great reimagination, a great recovery, if you will. And so this is kind of where my mind was thinking of how not only this, these metaphors for the United States and the workforce during the pandemic could also serve as metaphors for how we deal with our own personal crises. You know, if you think about it, we we can't control so many things in life. I mean, if, if anything, this pandemic showed us that we're just not in control of as much stuff as we think. We There's just things we can't foresee. There's things we can't predict. There's things that we don't anticipate. And there's things that we just have no control over. All we can do is really respond to them. I've thought about my own last years and it was literally a year ago and the end of 2018, early 2019, that I went to rehab for 120 days and that just completely sent me into a three quarter life crisis. My three quarter life crisis peaked during my 120 day stint in a rehab in Georgia. And so I was thinking about how I didn't foresee that coming. Like if I had dialed back a year and a half before I went to rehab, there's no way that I would have anticipated that I'd ever end up in rehab. I hadn't been a lifelong drinker. I hadn't been a lifelong user. I'd been super faithful in my marriage and in my work. And I had lots of integrity and that's how my life had gone for 40 years. And so I, I did not foresee so many things. I didn't anticipate a three quarter life crisis. I didn't anticipate the financial fear that would come with that crisis. I didn't anticipate feeling abandoned. I didn't anticipate struggling to hang on to faith and belief. I didn't I didn't anticipate feeling anger, anger at myself, anger at God, anger at life, anger at the universe. I just I didn't anticipate the kind of anger and the kind of fear that I would have to fight against and work with and listen to and think about curiously and openly as a result of this three quarter life crisis. I didn't anticipate asking over a thousand people face to face to forgive me for the things that I had potentially hurt or disappointed people over, like just all of these things I didn't anticipate. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, You've been in that same situation. I didn't anticipate that at my age, I'd be starting a new nonprofit called Spirituality Adventures. I couldn't anticipate any of those things. And many of you, I'm sure as you've gone through this pandemic or as you've gone through an adult life crisis, I'm sure you find yourself in a similar situation. You're, you're facing circumstances that you didn't anticipate, that you didn't predict, that you couldn't foresee, and that really caught you by surprise, right? And so how do we respond to this stuff? How do I respond to this stuff? I was recently listening to a podcast by Jonathan Fields, and he was interviewing a guy named Parker Palmer. And Parker Palmer is a guy that 
uh, I have read, he called Let Your, he wrote a book called Let Your Life Speak that I really learned a lot from about two years ago when I was really trying to search for my new career path and all that kind of stuff after losing my career, my community, my marriage, and, and even feeling like I lost my faith. You know, I was like, how do I rebuild my life? And his book really came into great play two years ago. Parker Palmer, Let Your Life Speak. He's 81 years old and Jonathan Fields was doing a podcast interview with him on his podcast called Good Life Project. And Parker was talking about how we have two parts of our lives, you know, our life on this planet Earth basically has our interior life. And that's all the processing that we do internally about, about ourselves as we go through. That's our interior life. And, and it's the interior life that we, that we choose to put out to the world. You know, what we say, what we think, what we write, what we speak, the relationships, the marriages, the children, all the things that we, the work that we do, all that we put out, all of that flows from our interior life, right? And then he talks about our exterior life. As we put stuff out from our interior life, the world comes back at us with stuff, right? And some of it really good, some of it affirms us, some of us, you know, gives us thumbs up and like, you did great and you're good at this and you're awesome. And then some stuff comes back from the world and it's circumstances we can't control, it's feedback that we don't want, it's criticism, it's failure, it's all these other kinds of things, it's insecurity. And so there's this constant interplay of our interior world what we put out to the world and then the exterior world and what the world shoots back at us. And Parker Palmer was saying it's the intersection of these two worlds, the interior and the exterior. And that's really where we, we come to find our purpose, where we come to find our calling. We come to find our joy, what we're really good at, but we also find crisis and disappointment and broken dreams and hurts and these crises can happen at these intersection points too, our interior world and the exterior world. And we find ourselves in crises. I certainly found myself in a massive three quarter life crisis. And some of you may be going through different kinds of adult life crises, even as you're listening to this. And uh, he was talking about that and, and then the importance of, of how we respond to those things, okay? And I want to I want to mash something else up here in this this thought with Parker Palmer that we're going to get to here in a minute. But the other thing that's going on is I'm I'm leading small group Bible studies in person right now. And we're going through the book of Matthew. So back in December of 2021, I did four Wednesday nights where I taught from the first and second chapter of Matthew's gospel. And uh, we did it down in North Kansas City at an event space there. And then I'm kicking off small groups where we're just kind of going through the life of Jesus through Matthew's gospel. And it's kind of an open-ended group where I just present some key things from the life of Jesus. And then we dialogue and talk about it and we kind of relate our own life to it. And right now I'm reading through Matthew chapter three and four. And Matthew chapter three and four is where Jesus gets baptized and uh, he walks into the waters of the Jordan River and is baptized by John the Baptist. And there's all of these fascinating 
metaphors and images that happen around this baptism of Jesus. And what's fascinating is that baptism happened a lot in Jerusalem at the temple. There were there were cleansing um, rituals that went on that were called baptisms in the temple in Jerusalem. And people uh, would many times daily or before they made offerings or when they went to the temple for various kinds of worship and offerings, they would go through these ritual cleansing baths, right? to prepare themselves for worship or for cleansing or whatever it might be. And then there were people outside of the temple who who didn't really do baptism outside the temple. There were there were baptisms in the Essene community, which is the Dead Sea Scroll, Scroll community. <clears throat> but typically, if people got baptized, they were getting baptized, ritually cleansed in the temple, in the institution of the temple by the leaders of that institution. It's so funny that Jesus doesn't go to the temple to get baptized. He goes out into kind of the wilderness area in the River Jordan and has John the Baptist who is living in the wilderness, kind of like almost like a, a desert monk, if you will. And it's John that baptizes him. And what is this water baptism for Jesus? It's not really repentance, right? It's a beginning of his public ministry. Jesus gets baptized at the beginning of his very public ministry and his public ministry for the next three years would lead him to the cross, all right? So what's interesting is that when Jesus is baptized in the waters, he steps into the waters, he's baptized in the waters, he emerges out of the water and there's a dove over him. And this dove represents Genesis 1, 2. Remember, Genesis 1 is where in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then Genesis 2, it says, and the earth was empty and void and darkness was upon the earth. And, and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. That word hover is like fluttering wings. It's like the fluttering wings of a dove. And so at the very beginning of creation, you have the Spirit of God hovering like a dove over the waters. And when Jesus begins his public ministry, one of new creation, he steps into the waters, he's baptized, and a dove hovers over him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's new creation, it's new beginnings. And by the way, waters could be chaos. Waters could be difficulties. Waters could be crisis. Waters could represent not only cleansing, but it could represent crisis and chaos and the chaos of the deep waters and the monsters and the Leviathan that lived in the deep waters. These deep waters sometimes had an image of the ancient people of chaos and crisis and disaster and pandemics and all that kind of stuff, right? So Jesus steps into the waters, but it's a flowing stream and he goes into the water, he comes out of the waters and it represents this new life, this new birth, this new beginning. And the dove hovers over him like creation. It's, it's creation over the waters, the spirit hovers and, and it's a new birth. And then what's interesting is that after the baptism of Jesus, chapter four of Matthew, he's led into the wilderness for temptation. <clears throat> so new beginnings can lead to new trials. How many of you have, had a new beginning or a new crisis 
and you've found yourself in fear, those can be scary. I mean, you found yourself like, holy crap, am I gonna live? Am I gonna survive? Am I gonna make it through this? What's on the other side of this? I don't even know. And you, you, begin, you have a new beginning, you have full of hope, and then all of a sudden you're in the desert and you're being tempted and you're being tried and, and things don't go as easy as you thought and it's more difficult than you thought. And you feel like you're taking one step forward and then three backwards. And then you take two steps forwards and then the next day it feels like you take three backwards again. And then maybe one day you take four forward and only two backwards and you're going, all right, I made some progress. But day to day and month to month, you're like, oh, God, am I going to make it? This is a new beginning, but it's scary. And then this new beginning is far more difficult and challenging than I thought. Now, some of you might have had crisis leading up to a new beginning and then you stepped into the waters of new creation and maybe you've you've caught a, a wind of growth and opportunity has been beautiful and that's awesome be grateful and be thankful but for some you stepped into those new waters and new creation new beginnings but it's been difficult it's been challenging it's been filled with fear it's been filled maybe with some anger maybe you haven't liked some of the changes that have come your way and it's in these waters of chaos and new birth and new beginning and the temptation of the desert isn't this interesting you have the image of waters and then the image of desert. You have the image of new beginnings and you have the image of temptation. And isn't that interesting how all that can mesh up together and lead us into these new journeys and these new places that we're not sure how it's gonna come out. We're not sure where it's gonna lead. We're not sure how we're gonna get through it, but two things can help us get through it. And I wanna go back to Parker Palmer here at this point. Because Parker says when, when our interior life and our exterior life come together, it forms an intersection and it forms our purpose. It can form crises. And he talks about how there's two ways that we can get through this. And one is finding true community and one is finding our true self. Listen, by true community, what I mean are friends, family and networks of people with whom you do life, deep, authentic life. And honesty and vulnerability are always a foundation to rich and deep community. And Parker Palmer says this, we all need sorting and shifting in a community that knows how to listen, that knows how to ask you honest and open questions that does not attempt to save, fix, advise, or correct you, but simply lets you work it out in dialogue with other people. This kind of community is rare, but possible. And it's something we all need. Palmer quotes theologian and activist Nell Morton, our task in this time is to help hear other people into deeper and deeper speech. I think that's beautiful. So Building deep, authentic community is one of the ways that we get through these new beginnings and these crises and emerge into a great new reimagination. It's how we turn difficulties and crises into new opportunities. We do it with community. We do it with friends. We do it with family. We do it with honesty and vulnerability. And we walk that through with others. The other thing is finding our true self. You know, if you think about it, finding our true self and presenting that to the world is one of our gifts to the world. 
And by our true self, I mean not only our good stuff that we present to the world, but even our shadows and even our dark sides and even our difficulties and even our failures. All of that can be presented in a way that's a gift to others. And I love this, you know, Parker Palmer says that when we really present our true self to people, shadow and light, worst and bad and good and all together, it truly can connect with people if we share it wisely and help them grow. And when we do this in community and we really find our true self and present our true self, it helps us heal and it helps other people heal. It's a gift to others. Parker says this, you know, he was, he's 81. He's kind of reflecting on his own mortality and says, you know, I think the saddest way to die would be if you never presented your true self to the world. He says, you come to the end of your life and you say, I had all these years on the face of the earth, but I never showed up as my true self. I always hid it away because I was fearful of what other people might think. And therefore, I was always playing my cards close to my vest and not sharing my gifts, not sharing my true self. I never showed up as my true self. Parker Palmer says, I think that would probably be the saddest way to die. So I want to talk just real quickly about community groups. For those of you who are in Kansas City, I am starting in-person home group Bible studies to build the kind of community that I'm talking about here, the kind of community that that knows how to listen, that knows how to ask honest and open questions, that's not trying to fix, save advise or correct, but actually lets us work out our lives in dialogue with other people. We're going to look at the life of Jesus, but then we're going to live in dialogue with each other in love and acceptance in an authentic community, deep community that supports us through all of life's crises, through all of life's difficulties, difficulties, through all of life's joys, ups and downs. If you'd like to be a part of one of these in-person small groups, and I'm starting new ones right now, let me know that. Send me an email, realfredheron at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email. If you've got my text, shoot me a text, my cell phone, but but email realfredheron at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Say, hey man, I'd like to learn more about these groups. And so I'm starting new groups. I'm building my support team for spirituality adventure around these in-person small groups. I already started a couple and it's been really, really fun. So let me know. The other thing is for those of you who are in Kansas City but can't make it to an in-person group, or for those of you outside of Kansas City, if you'd like to be a part of a Zoom group that meets. And initially we're meeting monthly and we're just going through the life of Jesus and really forming community that supports each other. Um, then let me know that you'd like to be a part of a Zoom group, okay? And that these are all, just getting started just off the ground this new year in 2022. But our purpose is to help us navigate life in true authentic community together in relationship, in friendship, in true support of each other. Not trying to fix or change or correct or judge or any of that, but literally loving each other through life. And so I'd love to see you in one of these groups. I'd love for you to be a part of it. And, uh, I think that when we do this together and when we really bring the gift of our true self as we work that out in community, we find that we heal, we live in a grace-based community that heals, 
And what we present to the world is healing and authentic and really brings God's love and grace to the world around us. And so I encourage you to do that. Finding true community and finding your true self are two of the most important ways that you can navigate any kind of adult crisis and move from the great resignation, the great crisis, and move that into the great reimagination and the great recovery. So I wish you God's best and uh, have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. And thanks for tuning in to Spirituality Adventures. We'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.